0: This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at
1: gatewayfellowship.com. Okay, so good. have you ever been, um, have you been afraid? Oh, dear Lord. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So where all of a sudden, like, your heart starts going, like, really fast? Absolutely. Yeah, blood pressure goes up? hmm Yeah, because mm-hmm. you think something's going to happen. Right. Have you ever been afraid of something that was not there? <laughs> yes you want to tell us <laughs> like uh, you thought it was there but then it wasn't there is it kind of like next sunday's annual meeting but it wasn't you know <laughs> sort of like that okay so so um yeah i do remember
2: um we we, are, we go into our house we have a split level so you go in this and uh-huh. so um just being a little kid downstairs was just the creepiest place ever downstairs and so Uh, I do remember, um, actually, so there was actually, this is pretty cool. So there was a a church that would like pick up kids on the bus. This was like way back when you could put your kids on the bus and just send them off, and you don't know when they're going to come back, and it didn't matter because that's just the way that it was. So so I got on one of those things, and uh, they were telling me about Jesus. I got home, and uh, they said, Hey, you don't have to be afraid because the Lord's with you. So I do remember a moment thinking there was something downstairs, um, but I left something downstairs that I needed. It was my brush. To, to brush my hair i had hair at that time oh, yeah of so, course. so so i had to get down there to get it and i just remember thinking it's dark it's scary
1: somebody's down there it's going to kill me but i'm not afraid because the lord's with okay, me okay so, so how about a shadow yeah. you ever been you see something and you go like whoa and it was just a shadow or something yeah, yeah yeah throughout the night yeah especially totally. when it's
2: windy out in particular and you see something moving and,
1: mm-hmm. i remember waking up and i was looking in the closet in the bedroom and i saw people with no heads it was the closet. <laughs> it was shirts hanging up there. Oh, my goodness. No heads, yes, totally. That, so. that would freak you out. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Story. Don't forget the 13. No right? kidding. Uh, be meetings. Don't show up next week. <laughs> so, um, so if I, uh, you can't see it right now, but there's a shadow on the stage. You can, I don't think you can see it, but you've been walking along, right? And so, how many have tried to step on your shadow? You've played that stupid game, right? Or something like that. Or you're walking along and there's a shadow of you, you know, in front or back, depends on which way the light is. And there's a shadow of me out here right now. If I look at the shadow, um, and your shadow, it's just, it's a representation of who you are, right? So you can tell some things, probably like, okay, i you know, he's so tall, body shape, whatever, whatever. From, from, from this shadow, we can tell some things, but not everything. And I want to talk to you about Shadows today, type, type, and shadows. We kind of wrap up our series from Genesis. I'm really thankful for how many have just dove into the to the book of Genesis, and and um, you're studying that, and you're reading, and, and you're learning. I love the Old Testament. I've talked about that, but when we talk about type and shadows, and that's how I want to wrap up today because it really is exciting. And I found myself yesterday going, "I am so excited about today because I think what we're going to learn from God's word is the good news." Of the gospel that we read about in in the Old Testament. But when we talk about types and shadows from the Old Testament, and I hope that you are an Old Testament reader, we're talking about those things that point us forward to Jesus in the New Testament, who is the fulfillment of this type or of this shadow. So in the type, we see a shadow of Christ or the things to come. um, Hence, perhaps, and, and, a per, and of, of who he is, and his purpose for all, all mankind. And so I want to talk about that today. Um, perhaps it's a little bit like maybe putting a, a puzzle together. I, I don't know. You could use that, probably the uh, illustration. But it, it's something leading us to our ultimate understanding, so maybe even even a, an example. So it's been said this way many, many times before. We're talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New the New Testament is concealed in the old and the old is revealed in the new. Now, I'm gonna put in a little commercial here for next Sunday because, like, 100 or next Saturday, like, 160 plus of you have signed up for Casket Empty with Dr. Kaminsky, who's going to be here, and you're going to see this in a brand new way, I believe, how this, how this works. Um, for If you've not signed up, there's still time. You, you can sign up in the lobby um, after the service, or you can go onto our website. But the new is concealed in the old, and the old is revealed in the new. You've heard me say it before. I love the Old Testament. We see so much. We understand so much of, of Jesus and, and who he is. And so I just kind of like scrolled out this little little um, graphic here, and it's just, it just looks like this. Um, the Old points us to the cross, as does the new. The cross represents Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. It's about him. The Bible is one redemptive story that always leads us to Jesus. And Jesus is the good news of the gospel, yes? He came for you, and he came for me, and we see that throughout the Bible. So I want to share with you um, today like three um, types and shadows from the Old Old Testament that point us to Jesus. So the first one we're going to look at today is the first Adam and the second Adam. And now, some of us might be going like, okay, I get the first Adam, but who's the second Adam? Like, I, I know about Adam and Eve. Well, let's take a look at it for just a moment because Paul refers to both the first Adam as a type of Christ and the second Adam as Christ himself. So we're talking about a shadow. There's a representation of who um, that person actually is. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, um, we read this. For as in Adam, all die. Now, we talked about that, right? On the second week, I think, of, of, of this series. If you want to catch up, you can go onto our website and catch up. For as in Adam, all die because sin, right, came through Adam. We're born into sin so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Where the first Adam, Adam, brought death, the second Adam brought life. Are you, you with me, right? Where the first Adam brought death, the second Adam brought, brought life. And honestly, it's, it's where I was sitting yesterday and kind of reviewing this morning, and i got so excited because I, I want people so to understand That where one brought death, the other brings life. And the question I'm going to ask you at the end, whether you're in your home, wherever you are, is do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Where is Jesus referred to Adam? Maybe you're asking that question. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 through 49. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. He is the one that we talked about who sinned. He and even brought sin into the world. The last Adam, who is? Jesus became a life giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Who is it? Jesus. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That's the good news. And we talked about being image bearers of God. He created you, he created me in his image. We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Somebody say, it's okay to say amen. Amen. Okay, Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. We were born into sin, every one of us. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did, now Adam is a symbol, a representation or shadow of Christ who is yet to come. Adam was a type of the one who is to come, the first man, Adam. Now what's Paul doing here? He's drawing a comparison or a contrast between Christ and Adam. The first Adam was, is a type of Christ. The second Adam, where the first Adam brought death, the second Adam brings life. Why, as John Piper says it this way, he goes to aim is to more clearly and more fully and more deeply um, uh, understand the work of Christ and how he became the foundation of our justification. So who is this first Adam. He is the one created by God from the dust of the earth. Remember Genesis chapter 2-7? I think we went back to that. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Man was created in the image of God. Remember, but this image we talked about was marred, right, uh, um, by sin, uh, um, disobeying God, and as a result, death spread to everyone. We just read that. That's you and me, all born into sin. Judgment followed, and we are all condemned because of this one act by the first Adam. But that is not the end of the story. And that's what I'm so excited about. That's why I'm so passionate about. That's why Gateway exists, is to spread this story to all of mankind and make disciples everywhere. Romans chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. For as by one man's disobedience, who was who? Adam, the first Adam. The many were made sinners. It's you and me. So by the one man's obedience, second Adam, who is Christ, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Let me kind of give you a summary of what's going on here of, uh, of this chapter. Paul is comparing the work of Adam with the work of Christ to show how sin and death came into the world and how God made a way to escape the sin and death. He sent his son Jesus a second Adam. As Brandon Crowe says, he Christ's obedience is the answer to Adam's disobedience. You, ha- you got that? Christ obeyed. He is the answer to Adam's disobedience where man failed to live up to to God's righteous standards that affected us all. Jesus came and all who trust in him are made righteous. He is the second Adam. What man was unable to do, Christ did. Amen? Where we were born into physical and spiritual death, each and every one of us because of the first Adam, we are born again into brand new life through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, Paul refers to as a life-giving spirit. It's it's the story of the gospel. Jesus did what man could not do. There is no way, we have no ability to live up to or to do the good works that will earn us salvation. It can't be done. Christ came to do what you and I could not do. And by trusting in him, we experience brand new eternal life. And so, my question in just a little bit will be to you Do you know him? Do you know this Jesus that came to do what no man could do? Do you know him? Not do you know about him. I heard that guy about Jesus. You know, he's a good teacher, he's all that. But do you know him? Is he your personal Lord? Is he your personal Savior? Next one we're going to talk about is, I touched on this story a little bit last last week, kind of type two, Abraham and Isaac and God's, God's provision. We talked a little bit about it, and I said we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into it um, today. Um, if this were a movie, we'd be sitting on the edges, And I'm not a, honestly not a movie fan, so I think Jen and I, we probably do like maybe one movie a year, and that would be good because like, that's just the way we are. Anyway, so, but if this would be a movie, like, I think I would be on the edge, edge of my seat. Um, perhaps even shouting out to Isaac, don't go with your dad don't take that hike with him. You don't want to be there. You don't even want any part of that. And everybody being going like, Abraham, you've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Are you actually going to do that? So that's, that's probably where I would be. But just listen quickly to the story. And after, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Abraham, here, I'm, here I am. And he said, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. Now you gotta, it's easy for us to kind of read the black and white and go like, okay, and the next thing, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his dog. You're like, okay. It was kind of like, okay, God, I'll do that. But you got to know that Abraham had a moment where he thinking, okay, this is my only son. And now you're calling me to sacrifice him? So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So they're traveling, right? It's not like, okay, in this moment, okay, this hour is is days. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come. Again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father! And he said, Here I am, son. He said, Behold the fire and (laughs) cut the wood. Where is the lamb? Can you just stop for just a moment? You're the dad, <laughs> and you got to answer that question. We're, dad, we got fire, we got wood. We forgot the lamb. And Abraham's thinking, now we, we didn't, we didn't. Abraham said, "God will provide for Himself." the lamb, for a burnt offering, my son. So they went together. When he came to the place at which God had told them, Abraham built the altar, and there laid the wood in order. And then he bound his son. We're going to look at some points here in just a moment. And laid his son on the altar. And Abraham reached out his knife to sacrifice his only son. And immediately God calls and says, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. Don't lay your hand on your son. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there's a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering. I want to give you some points to ponder, and then we're going to look at kind of the the type and shadow I just want to offer you today. Number one, this was Abraham's only son. After a long wait, Isaac was was given to him. So the command is like, take your only son. At this time, Isaac was a young man, so um, he was not this defenseless child, right? So baby who didn't know what was going on. I mean, he, he carried the wood, right? He, he knew what was going on. He asked his dad, like, where's the lamb, the, the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? You know, so he, he, he's a young guy. He's probably a young adult or in his early teens somewhere, in there, but he knew exactly what was going on. He was not a defenseless child, likely in his teens or even older. The wood of the altar was placed on the back of Isaac to carry. He carried the wood that would be used to sacrifice him and I don't know about you, but if I'm watching this movie take place, I'm going like Abraham. Can't you at least carry the own wood that you're going to kill your son on? You're going to use the sacrifice. Can't you at least do it? But you place it on the back of your son. It was several days' journey to the place of the sacrifice. There's a lot of time to think about that. Didn't happen just in the next moment. But there was time to think about. And then the fifth, the fifth is God's ultimate. Um, provision of a sacrificial lamb. So let me just kind of walk you through a few things here. Abraham's only son, Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And what do we see? In Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, this, God is saying, is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, his only son. That was on the Mount of Transfiguration at the time of his transfiguration. This is my only son. This is my beloved son. And what do we read in John three sixteen? It's a verse that many of you probably have memorized. For God so loved the world that who would he give? His one and only begotten son. I just put the word wood up here just to draw our attention to this. And again, Genesis chapter 22, verse 6, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And what do we read in the gospel of John Chapter 19, so they took Jesus away, carrying the cross or the wood by himself. He went to a place called the Place of the Skull or Golgotha. We know from the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that that burden became um, too much to bear for Jesus. And perhaps out of frustration of those who would execute Jesus, they called on the pastor buyer to carry the wood. How about obedience? We know Abraham was acting out of obedience, and it's hard for you and I, perhaps, to understand. I got two boys, and those of you who have kids, I mean, we can put our pla- and even even without kids, we can put ourselves in that place, can't we? Genesis chapter twenty-two. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And his son, Isaac, following the command of God. And then we go to John's gospel, chapter 6 again, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. Walking in obedience, Jesus following the will of his father. But at just the right time, God provides the sacrificial ram for sacrifice i want you to see this because at just the right moment it wasn't the action of abraham he was walking in obedience but god provided the sacrifice abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son but god interrupted that and provided a ram for the sacrifice it wouldn't be the action of killing his own son. God provided the ram. In, in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, for while we are still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God provided the sacrifice, his son to die for you and for me. Again, John 3:16, for God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This would not be the result of Abraham's willing, obedient sacrifice, but the willing sacrifice of God to sacrifice his own son that we are brought so that we could be brought into new life. God's provision of a sacrifice. John chapter 1, we read where Jesus is the perfect and the ultimate sacrifice for sin. (laughs) The perfect sacrifice. And I just want to kind of move to Moses, who we've not talked much about, but I just didn't want to wrap up the series without talking about Moses as a type of Christ because we wrap up this morning as we slide into the book of Exodus and the life of Moses. Um, We see Moses as a type of Christ. It begins in Exodus 32 and the crafting of the the golden calf. Do you you remember that story? Do you remember all all that's going on there? suddenly the the people um, is, these people who are who have been been let out of slavery um, suddenly find themselves um, creating an idol um, creating something that would be fashioned and that that would be would be tooled and I don't know if you have spent much time reading that particular a passage lately, but I want you just to think about it for just, just a moment because here is what's happening. The people saw that Moses delayed. He was gone. People gathered themselves together and and said to Aaron, look, make us some gods who should go before us. For Moses, like, like he's gone. So Aaron said to them, take off your rings, take off all, all this other gold and, you know, the rings of your sons and daughters and bring them to me. And so all the people took the rings of gold that were there in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and just listen to this. Now he fashioned it into a graving tool and made a golden calf. And he says like, here's your gods. (laughs) Moses is up there and the Lord said to Moses, go down to your people from whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. They've corrupted themselves. They've turned aside out of the way that I've commanded them. They have made themselves a golden calf and worshipped it and sacrificed it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up. These are your gods who brought you up. And then the Lord said to Moses, And here's what I want you to see. I've seen these people, and behold, they are stiff-necked. Now... Therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. See what's going on here. God says to Moses, you go down to those people, your people, by the way, he says, and I'm I'm going to consume them. I'm going to destroy them. But Moses implored the Lord, his God. In other words, he stood between God and the people. Oh, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? Your people, who you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your, your people. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, And then, in just the next verse, and the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing these things on these people. Moses appeals to God, he stands between God and the people. Your people, God moses recognized that the people had sinned so he didn't seek to justify their actions and as a result god relented of his threatened course of judgment now the word word relented so we I, I understand we kind of wrap our heads around like did god change his mind because god never changed his mind and i don't think that's what took place the word relented doesn't mean that he changed his mind but that he embarked on another course of action The Hebrew word simply suggests relief or comfort from a planned, undesirable action. Psalm 106, they made a calf in Horeb and worshiped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them? NLT version says it this way But Moses, his chosen one, stepped between the Lord and his people. My friend Dick Brogdon says it this way God saved us from God for God. And then expanded this way. The love of God saved us from the wrath of God for the glory of God. In the Old Testament, it was the blood over the doorpost. In the New Testament, it's the blood of Jesus on the cross. God saved us from God, for God. The love of God compelled him to send his son for you and for me and saved us From the wrath of God, for the glory of God, it's all about Jesus. There is only one Savior, and there is only one way, and it's trust in Jesus. Do you know what's being challenged today? The exclusivity of Jesus, that he is the only way. And we stand on the word of God that says Jesus is the only way. There aren't multiple ways up the mountain. There's only one way to God, and that's through his son Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Let me say it this way. He is both inclusive and exclusive at the same time. I've said that years past. He's both inclusive and exclusive at the same time. He's inclusive because he desires for you to have a relationship with him and with his father. And so he has made a way where man failed, he made a way for you to have a relationship with God. He's inclusive and that word is for all. For God so loved the, that's you and that's me. But I like to say it this way, but he loved the world one person at a time. That's you and that's me. He's inclusive. But he's also exclusive when he says, but there's only one way through the Father. So if you're trying to get there through your good works or your good deeds, that, that's not going to work. If you're going to get there to try to follow some other teaching or some other religion, that is not going to work. He's inclusive. The call is to all, but he's exclusive when he says the only way to the Father is through in me salvation is all for all who repent and trust in him john chapter 14 verse 6 jesus said to him i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and so i will say to you don't fall for the false teaching that's out there that there are multiple ways up the mountain there are not and so i I said to you i was going to ask you and i i know so many of you and Whether you're online or you're in person, you've made this commitment. You've made this this faith commitment. I just want to ask you do you know Jesus? Do you know the one who has stepped in our place, bore our sin, died for you, died for me? Do you know him? I sat in a service, memorial service yesterday, and, um, of a of a faithful servant of God who who is with Jesus in heaven it was a tremendous time as we gathered you know I sat on that row right there and listening to some other, other speakers and and I, I thought this to my I, I don't think I've ever thought this and before not in this way anyway that someday my picture is going to be on that screen and there, there will be maybe a couple of you might be here, but the, it, it honestly, here's what I thought: it wasn't it wasn't like because I, I, I will be with Jesus, I will be with Jesus, so you celebrate. But I found myself thinking this: I don't want to be that pastor, I don't want to be that shepherd, I don't want to be that person that doesn't say to you, maybe your first time here, maybe. Maybe you're, you're, you've been coming for a while, but you've never made this thing. I don't want to be that person that never gives you the opportunity to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know this one that we've been talking about? Do you know him? As your Lord and your Savior, not do you know about him, but do you know him? And the good news of the gospel is this. You can know him. You can. You, 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 you by trusting, by confessing your sin, by giving your life to him, you can know him and you can be in right relationship with the father. That's the good news of the gospel. You see where man failed, Jesus didn't fail. Amen. So I'm going to pray. And here's what I'd like for you to do. For perhaps many of us, most of us were followers of Jesus. I just like for you to just join me in giving him thanks for what he's done. I don't know. When is the last time maybe that you just pause and say, God, thank you for doing what I could not do. Thank you. And if you're here and and maybe you've never made that that step to follow him, you're online or maybe here, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Um, It's not... There's no magic in the words. It's just from the heart. If it's from your heart, you say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I ask you to forgive me. You You can join me in my prayer. You can just pray. But if it's from your heart, he will forgive you, and he will make you a brand new person. What man could not do, Jesus did. Amen. So, Father, we just pause now. So many of us are thanking you, God, that you bore the sacrifice. You sent your son, your one and only son, to die in our place. To do what we, we could not do, to do what no man could do. And then you've just said, if, if we would just trust in you, and we, if we would confess our sins to you, who we would make you Lord of our life, We could be in right relationship with your father and so many of us have done that so we're just pausing right now we're saying thank you jesus thank you jesus because we know at the end of this life whenever that is there's the eternity with you waiting for us thank you if you're listening online in in person wherever you are and you've never You've you've thought about it, and uh, maybe you've considered it, but you've never taken that final step to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I confess my sin to you, my need to you, and I make you Lord of my life this morning. And I thank you for giving me a brand new start in life. In a certain future with you, in all of eternity. And if you prayed that prayer in some form or fashion? Now I say, Welcome to this family of God. He's made you a brand new person and we give him thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we have a story to tell, don't we? We really do. We've been in a series called Start Here. It all starts with Jesus, but the good news is it ends with Jesus, <laughs> right? He's the beginning. And he's the end. Let's stand together, shall we? We're going to lift his name in praise today.
0: How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation. I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the dark. seal the promise you're bearing by